Welcome to Coastline Church, seeking renewed faith in Humboldt County by being settled and secure in God's love. To learn more, visit coastlinefoursquare.com. Sorry, I'm being slow because it's been an interesting two weeks for me. And I know for a lot of us, um, two weeks ago, my legs started feeling weird. And didn't know about it. And, and, you know, don't give me all the lectures on why I should have gone to the hospital right away. Believe me, the doctor, the doctor told me enough stories to scare me badly. Um, but uh, if you ever get symptoms of a stroke, if you get to the hospital within two hours, they can do something about it. If you delay, they can't. I didn't recognize it for what it was. So I know better now. Um, actually, first, my leg, I, didn't, I wasn't numb, so I didn't know all the feelings. Sorry, I'm realizing choppy. So basically, I had a stroke two weeks ago. Actually, I had two of them. Um, and so I, my body felt weird, but it wasn't numb, and I kept hitting my face, thinking, well, maybe this isn't, a, you know, my blood sugar may be low. I forgot to eat until 3 o'clock. Um, you know, I, I had been, I had oral surgery. I thought maybe it's a side effect of that. And then I went to comb my hair. And I went to comb my hair, and I missed my head. And I could not, I could not hit my hair. And I thought, oh, I, I think there's something interesting going on. So, um, so we, we went to the hospital and don't know what caused it yet. But it, it's kind of weird to think that there's two, two, two dead. My brain has two places of dead cells. And, uh, sorry, I, I'm not going to tell you the rest of the story. But I am going to say I'm, I'm overwhelmed in a way. OK, one, one of the side effects, besides my brain being scrambled for a while, and it's not fully there, but my emotions are way more near the surface. It's just one of the common symptoms. They say you have personality changes with them. And mine is I can get real more emotion, way more emotional. I also struggle for words. So you're probably wondering, why am I up here? <laughs> and, uh, um, Glad you're there. Part of it is, is I, I do take things with a sense of humor. It just happens like, like one night, I am sitting up and then I slip and I fall out of the bed and I just start laughing because I, I'm on a bed in the hospital and my leg and arm don't work and I fall and it, it just struck me as funny. Then it struck me as really funny that I couldn't get up. Then what really struck me as funny, the only worry I had about it didn't matter that I was bruised or hurt. I was like, oh no, I got to get up because I don't want the nurses to catch me. And so it's just the way my brain goes. And, uh, or used to. I don't know what my brain does now. Um, um, but there were some dark times, I, I have to admit. And you know, my my lack of emo my lack of emotional maturity is shown in that I don't like to be needy. And I was overwhelmed by how many people prayed for me. I mean, some people I hardly know, and I found out they're praying for me. And I really felt like uh, like I was carried. Because some of you know me, I've preached on it. I've, I've learned because of when I had a battle for depression, I live by the declarations of God, the Rima word of God. Um, I know some people teach Logos means Bible and Rima means prophetic. I'm just telling you that's not true. I, I looked them all up in the Bible when I heard that teaching in the 80s. That's, that's not what they mean. Um, Logos and Rima, and if you don't know what those mean, don't worry about it. But we sometimes narrow Rima to just like someone giving a prophetic word. What Rima really means, if you look up everywhere, it exists. The best description is, Rima means a declaration of God. And 
yes, I do believe in prophecy, and I, I've received declarations from other people. But the Bible itself is also full of a lot of declarations of God. And you learn to live by knowing what is God in his word declare. Um, it's funny, just, just yesterday at a wedding, I had a, a student's talk, not a student, sorry, <laughs> school. It was this, this person I hadn't seen in a while. I was first amazed he even wanted to spend so much time with me. And I was listening, I was empathetic, but he kept talking about how like feeling the, God, the presence of God leave. And because we have a good relationship, I was able to be honest and say, you, did, you didn't feel that. And I understand, I'm not telling you how you felt. You felt alone and you may have felt that way. But what you felt is not the presence of God leave. Because he said, I'll never leave you or forsake you. He declares that he's not ever going to leave. So you can't feel that because he won't do that. And I have no idea why you're telling that part of the story. But uh, I guess because part of me, I have to practice that myself. You know, I had to, Carter doesn't know this yet, so now she can be mad at me after it. But the first, <laughs> night, I got, the first night I got back, at about 2 in the morning, I couldn't sleep. And I was getting plagued by thoughts of regret. And I was getting played by, you know, thoughts of worry of the future. Because the doctor said some things that were really scary. And I, I hope you don't get offended. But my mind had to go, well, F this. And so I got out of bed and thought, you know what? I'm going to go up and down that stairs enough times to where I don't need this railing. I'm just, because they were really nervous about me going into a house with stairs. So I just got up and said, we're just going to walk. We're going to go up and down the stairs. And then I'm going to get it, and I won't need the railing by the time I'm done. And I don't even remember how many times I went up the stairs. And then while that is going, and you know what? Later on in the day, I'm going to go walking, and I'm going to go do something, and I'm going to participate with what God's doing with people's lives. I decided on Monday, that was actually when I fully decided, the Monday after the stroke, I'm going back to school, and we're going to teach class one way or another. Um, because for me, I've learned one of the secrets of getting out of depression is get up and participate with what Holy Spirit's doing in the lives of others. Because even as we're talking about all the plans and all the dreams and, and even the word there about empires, it's so simple. If we just remember, we're just participating with what God's doing. Okay, so anyway, I, I meant to start that and say I'm really thankful for the prayers. I really am. I, I'm really touched. I, I, I feel very loved because of the prayers. Sorry, using notes like this is kind of new for me because before my brain broke, I didn't usually have to use them. And it's like, because I used to be able to keep track of six things in my head, now I barely hang on to one thing. So, okay, I just, I want this in context because I want to talk about some practicals. I want to talk about actually something similar to the word that, that Robin shared. But it has to be clear, I'm not giving you something to go do. I'm not giving us something to go work on. I'm giving us something that we get to participate with God in. We get to enjoy participating. So Jesus answered to them, very truly I tell you, the Son of Man can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees the Father doing, because whatever the Father does, the Son does also. The whole way Jesus mirrored for us, Jesus modeled for us, that the whole purpose of us is to be attached to the Father. The whole purpose is that we do things with God. We don't do anything separate. And I'm, what I'm after really here is, and I, I have this on the paper, but 
I, I want us to understand this is the adventure of participating with God as he transforms lives. 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 And it's an adventure, and it's participating, and it's a get-to. <clears throat> Apart from me, you can do nothing. <clears throat> I, I've shared this before, but I think it, it's important. Yeah, so John, in John 15, it, I know it's a little out of context, but it's the, but the point is that succinct. Apart from Christ, we do nothing. It's all done with him. Um, in Thomas's prayer, uh, a friend of mine, a businessman I know, um, he was mentored by Ian Thomas. Ian Thomas wrote a book called The Christ Life. Famous guy. He and his wife um, believed in giving and not changing their lifestyle, and God prospered him, and he, he started this multinational business, actually more than one of them. It finally got to where he and his life, he and his life, he and his wife chose to live simply and not change that style so it got to where they were giving away 95% of their income. And some tell me it even got higher than that before the end. Is they just lived off 5% of their income and gave the rest away. My friend called him because my friend had a business. And his business was tough. There was a lot going on. And he was struggling. And he called Ian and just asked Ian, Ian, you've got that huge business. You've got all these offices all over the world. Does the buck stop with you or what? He goes, oh, no, the buck stops with me. He goes, well, how do you handle it? Because I'm stressing out, and I just have the one business. And he had a business down in Sacramento area. And he goes, I have this one business, and I'm just, I'm just freaking out. And Ian asked him, well, whose business is it? And my friend Kevin, he's smart enough. He knows the Sunday school answers. It's like, you know, the answer is always, always God or Jesus. And so it's like, well, whose business is it? Oh, it's God's business. It's Jesus' business. And he says, well, then I have no idea why you're worrying about a thing. If it's God's business, God has the problem. You don't. And so he said, and I have told this story here before, but it's foundational to where we're going. He says, when I get a call in the LA office and they've got problems and they've got chaos, I listen, I ask questions, you know, I'm engaged. But after they tell me what's going on, tell me all the problems, I get off the phone and immediately the first thing I do is go, hey, God, just want to bring to your attention that there's a problem with your business and I need you to fix the problems in the LA office. They're, they're your problems with your business. I'm available if you want to use me but I need you to fix the problems with your business. And, and we can tailor it to other things. I had to start tailoring it a little different. I, I got more comfortable with saying, Lord, I need you to fix the problem like at work. Like, hey, I, I just got these departments thrown at me and they've got some real problems. Lord, I'm only in this job because you put me here. So I don't have any problems. There's a problem with these teams. I need you to fix them. I'm available. I, I'm willing to be used. In fact, I want to participate with you, but you have to direct me. You have to show me what to do, because I don't have a clue. Did it with family. I've done it with men's things. I still do it now with men's things. Lord, these are your men. God, your men have some problems, some serious problems. I can't fix them. God, I need you to move on behalf of your men. I need you to encounter your men. I need you to establish your men in you. I need you to fix their problems. 
I'm available if you want to use me, but I'm looking for you for direction. I'm available to pray, but I need you for direction. Getting the dependency, mostly you're also getting, getting the, the, the rest. Because I have to say, this works. It works. So many times at work, problems that nobody saw a solution to, problems I didn't see a solution to. But by praying this prayer, I'd be amazed how many times, just boom, I just know what the answer is. And it wasn't that I was smart. God just was showing me, this is what you need to do. Other things would happen with relationships. God, I need you to take care of it. <clears throat> and then I'm even thinking, well, how should I get involved? And before I can get involved, they take care of it. Uh, so many other things that just, we never dreamed of knowing what was going. I mean, we call them words of wisdom, words of knowledge, prophecy. Sure, you can categorize them that, but it was really just this simple of God just moving and God just speaking. <clears throat> Jesus did many other things. This is the close of John. Jesus did many other things as well. If every one of them were written down, I suppose even the whole world would not have room for the books that would be written. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. We really have the, the, the Gospels are pretty short. It's not, they're not even a big book. Even the epistles are not a big book. The Bible, okay, it's a big book. But there are so many books to be written, the world couldn't contain it. <coughs> I'm waiting really to get a feel for this. The overwhelming majority of what Jesus did did not receive recognition of men. We don't even know it now. So the vast majority, the overwhelming stuff, you now Jesus, everything he did was with the Father. And it wasn't stuff that was even recorded down. He was faithful without fanfare. By the way, the yellow, the letters are, if you want to fill in the thing, that's what I'm doing here. But we really have to get this. Because, again, like that word, building empires, doing, you know, being impressive things. The students I'm with, oh, I want to be Bill Johnson. You know, I want to go around traveling the world and preaching. I want to do all this other stuff that has fanfare. But Jesus did not have fanfare. I mean, really, he only had one sermon that seemed like a major sermon. Other than that, he had some pretty, pretty uncomfortable conversations. But most of his life was intimate walk with, Jesus, with the disciples. Those three years he spent with them, you had an entire three years of him walking with them, and we just get a short amount written down. He was doing stuff and parting stuff in their lives that we don't even get to read about. Because that's where the real stuff happens. Did I break it? We spend so much time. We, we spend so much time stressing to impress others. I mean, where I see, I, I've seen it in my own life. But I see it in so many lives of young people. I've even got, well, I've got some people that are older than me as students. And they have so much of their time, they're stressing because they're trying to affect what people's opinion of them are, is. Instead of striving to impress so we can do great things for God, God wants us to find the joy in doing all things with him. And i got to clarify this because some of my students misunderstood. They're saying, yeah, yeah, like God, God wants to enjoy doing video games with me. Okay, I, yeah, maybe he did. Um, 
But I was going to answer, well, maybe he did for 20 minutes. But when you went on to three hours, no, he wants to tell you you're wasting your time. But uh, sorry, sometimes I'm assertive with the students. Um, <clears throat> what I mean by all things with him, I mean these little acts of God, acts of love we do with God. These little things are really the everything. <clears throat> so some things of regret did come to my mind when I was in, in the hospital. But I wasn't regretting big things. I wasn't regretting missed opportunities and investment. I wasn't missing chances to preach and teach. Actually, it was telling me with some little ways that I missed a chance to show someone the love of God. Little ways I missed a time to ask my kid a question when I knew they were hurting, but I did not know what to do about it. So I say this is hard, but I really want to be honest about this. I was haunted by times I wasn't a good husband. <clears throat> if this is uncomfortable for you, it's, it's okay, it's uncomfortable for me. <laughs> Just think of this as a time of, you can really listen to the Holy Spirit. One, one reason I took on the preaching is, I was really thinking about doing preaching on Sunday, because I was, I was surrendering to God, like, maybe I'm not going to be a preacher anymore. You know, I may not ever get the thinking back. And then a person I respect a lot had a word for me on the very Monday after I had the stroke. And he said, you need to speak on Sundays because you're going to learn how to rely on the Spirit in a way you never have before. Yes. So Misha's this friend who got married. <clears throat> And God really, I just, he just really drove this home. And I'm not saying bad husband, like, you know, abusive thing or, you know, having affairs. It was actually like, you miss chances to really affirm how amazing your wife is. And so there's some things about one time she was really busy and she was back in school and it was empty nest. And, and I remember thinking, man, she is awesome and she's doing all this stuff. And I felt like God said, yeah, why didn't you tell her? Ephesians 5, 25 to 32, it's not on that list, but uh, it tells me that I get to demonstrate the love of God for his church. I get to demonstrate how Jesus loves his church by how I love Carl. That's what that book's about. We get all hung up on the submission part, but a big part, he did, this is the mystery I'm speaking of is Christ and his church. How I love Carla, I get to demonstrate the love of Christ for to everybody, but how Jesus loves his church, I get to demonstrate by how I love Carla. That, that's a great opportunity. It's also a pretty serious charge. You know, it's, it's somewhere again, we're going to build empires. You know, we get worried about, well, I'm going to preach, I want to teach, or, you know, i got to write these letters, or, i got to get this done at work, or I'm trying to build my business. You know, I want to do these great things for God. I can demonstrate how Jesus loves his church by how I love my wife. Oh, but I'm going to make sacrifice, and I'm going to go on mission trips. 
okay? Um, I can love in Carla in such a way the world sees how Jesus loves his church. Kind of get the point? Okay, I'll, I'll move on. But we do. We concern ourselves with the wrong things. My biggest regrets were not things I did. It was omission. It was lack of engagement. That, that's the things that are And we worried about the wrong things. My wife and I are talking about that even after the wedding. It's like we're excited for this young couple. We see it and we're going, I'd like to go back and do it over again. Because I, I miss our young couple days. Also, I realized we wasted a lot of time worrying about the wrong things. We, we really did. Um, we worried about things that never happened, and we worried about things that did happen but didn't matter that much. I, I'm thinking of a friend who always says that he always talks about the tombstone, where it says, you know, here lies Louis Schwartz. He had a horrible, difficult life, and some of it even happened. <laughs> okay, I have loved you the way my father has loved me. I, I guess alone, that's, that's amazing. I've loved you the way the father has loved me. Make yourselves at home in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain intimately at home in my love. That's what I've done. Kept my father's commands and made myself at home in his love. I've told you these things for a purpose, that my joy might be your joy and your joy wholly mature. Now, this is the message, but I'll tell you, this is, this is a time when the message is, this is a really accurate phrase. Because so when it says your joy complete, that Greek actually means complete more like a maturity. You know, just like, just like Jesus wants to present us complete in him, it's mature in him. So, your, holy, your joy holy, complete. This is my command. So notice the words up in, in green. If you keep my commands, you remain in Italy in my love. Okay, and then here's the command. Love one another the way I've loved you. Love others the way the Father loves Jesus. I know I just said this like three weeks ago. But I'm still overwhelmed. Jesus loves me the way the Father loves him. And I'm to love others the way he loved me. For me to love other people the way the Father loves Jesus, I need help. I need your help. I know I, know I need heaven's help. But, and I'm not here to prove the part now, but this is a community thing. Man, this, this requires a community to help change our lives. For us to love all people. To love all the church, even the ones that annoy us, even the ones that intentionally harm us, to love them the way the Father loves Jesus. <clears throat> There's just so much stuff going on. And I was in there like, you know what, the Ukraine thing with some other stuff. And I'm going, Lord, are you sure this is the message? And I felt like God saying, no, this is exactly the message. The church has a great need, sorry, the church has a way to meet the great need. But it's not through programs and empires. What the world needs is people with mature joy who are growing up in God's joy. Mature joy means I start recognizing joy is not absence of sadness. I can be sad and still have joy. It's not a, it's not a lack of adversity. I have joy in adversity. Like how to understand I can live by God's joy and find strength in it in adversity. The opposite of joy is in sadness. The opposite of joy is unfound fear. Okay, I'm saying unfound because there are times for fear. Like if I, if I sit, run into a bear in the trail, it's a gift to have fear and get a drill and get out of So there is a time to feel fear. But the opposite of joy is wrong fear. 
I, 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 had to, I had to fight to return to joy in the hospital. <clears throat> See, I've had this for a long time. I have not feared death, but after watching what happened with my mother, after working with other people, I have always had a nagging fear of death doesn't, doesn't scare me, but dementia does. I, I mean, losing the ability of my mind. I mean, my legs, my leg wasn't working and my arm wasn't working. That didn't bother me. My brain wasn't working and I could not complete thoughts. That scared me because I don't want to live there. That fear could steal joy, except I go, well, no, he's with me. I mean, it's weird because I live by the declarations or try to live by the declarations of Jesus. My brain was so scrambled, all those scriptures I memorized were lost. It's like, I can't pull them. The only one I could pull out was, he will not leave me or forsake me. So that's just the one I repeated all the time. Just all the time. <clears throat> okay. Because it requires a hope based on declarations of God. It leads to influence. Even at this, this wedding, I was surprised. Because there's all these young people and there's other young people they'd like to hang out with. Three of the young people hung out with me. I mean, one at a time at different times. And like, I'm like, one of them, man, he traveled all the way over. He was... He was what, 3,000 miles away, and he's here at this wedding. But he spends the first 45 minutes of the reception talking to me. And it's weird, because he just had stuff in life he wanted to talk about. And I realized, why, why is he talking to me? <laughs> and, uh, and it really is just because, well, I'll get to this, so I'm kind of jumping the gun, but it's because I show an interest in him. And he needed, after he told me this, he just needed someone to remind him to return to joy. Because he, he's dealing with some hard things. He had, he had a dad who's had like serious like brain surgery and all this. And he has a lot of other chaos going on. And he just needs someone to help him return to joy. Okay. I should back up here. It's interesting because I wasn't sure why I even wrote this. I just this morning added this to the slide. But after Robin's word, you know, that we love people. Get rid of the fanfare. Get rid of the show. Let's have the real stuff. Humans are built this way. It is not a sin. It is not a flaw. We have been built this way. People need to be seen. They need to be engaged. They need to be affirmed. They need to belong. Okay, this is one thing I think the overseas church sees better than ours, at least the churches I've seen. Rugged individualism is a lie. A rugged individual is actually a very weak person. You want to be strength, you have to belong. It's a strong person that's vulnerable. It's a strong person that has a corporate identity with people. <clears throat> I shared this last week. This was, I was even nervous about this a little bit because I thought, wait, I'm just repeating myself. But that's okay. Who knows, after this, after this uh, stroke, I may be repeating myself a lot, so get used to it. <clears throat> Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united in Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, to make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love. Being of one mind, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, any humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. Okay, Ian Thomas's prayer. The reason I wanted to share that is because when I'm praying that prayer, and it's very real to me that God's taking care of my interests, I know I'm free to spend time interested in other people. God has our interests so we can be free to be interested in others. I said it before, but even the thing about loving my wife, the best way for me to love my wife is to be interested in her. 
It's not to give her lectures, not to give her my Ephesians lesson. All right, in fact, I'll, I'll let you know, this, this may shock you. My wife does not let me practice her, my sermons on her because she is not interested in hearing me because she hears me enough here. Um, <laughs> but being interested. Now, I also have to admit, pardon me, I have a big help because I have a, a wife that, that has a, a, a strong identity of who she is in the Lord. She owns her own faith. She's assertive. So she helps me with things like this, like, like we're having a conversation and I, I became aware of the Spirit that I wasn't listening to her very well. The way I became aware of the Spirit, the aware of the Spirit that she was listening to me very well, she says, okay, so now you're going to listen to me better because you were interested in what I have to say. And then I realized, yeah, God's telling me I need to be interested in what she has to say. But it, it does help that I have a wife that just says things like, reminds me, you are interested in what I say. Yes, I am. Because, and, and this is crazy, but it's like, this, this is like, it's not rocket science. It's, it's, you want to have a better marriage, be interested in what your wife has to say. It really is that simple. Okay. Well, you, you get enough. I was going to use another example that was even funnier because, well, just so weird because I was so oblivious what was going on. And, uh, and then I just became, again, the Holy Spirit spoke to me that I hurt my wife's feelings, told me exactly how I did it and exactly what I should do to fix it. And the way the Holy Spirit did that is Carla came up the stairs, came in the room and said, you hurt my feelings, this is how you did it, and here's what I need you to do now. And the Holy Spirit sounds a lot like Carla. <laughs> Any relationships with one another have a mindset of, of the same mindset as Christ who being in the very nature of God did not consider equality with God something to use to his own advantage. God's saying this with the right emphasis. Um, so not used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing, taken on the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself, becoming obedient, even death on the cross. He modeled that authority is for the benefit of others, not the one with authority. He is faithful for others. He is faithful without fanfare. Spiritual authority, definitely believe in it. But the way it always goes weird in church is, authority is never for the one with the authority. Okay, that was what I was going to share. Eventually I'm going to do a whole lesson on Isaiah 32. Because there's a glorious promise in Isaiah 32. But the key thing is, it's when people of God recognize they have authority. But the authority is not for them. The authority is for the submitted, not the people with the authority. Authority is always for somebody else, not the person who has it. So the whole idea is we would have deep connection, and connection comes from going beyond caring about people to being interested in them. So again, I mentioned this a couple weeks ago, but I just feel like God said, you can't leave this yet, because it may seem simple, but this is everything. When we decide to care about people by showing interest in them, that's when it's deep connection. All right, because it's like, oh yeah, Dick, you know, we've all had it where pastors will say, oh, I really care about you. Or they even give you a the say, of, I want you to know we love you and we really appreciate what you're doing. And you know, if you ask them, really, what do you appreciate about what I'm doing? They'd be stuck because they don't know what you're doing. <laughs> so, oh man, this really took a while. So this is why I didn't bring the whiteboard up. 
Because the thing I think was to really do, to, to really engage this is, I want us to think, how do we partner with God to show someone our interest in them, to show they're valued, to show they belong? How do we do that? And by, when I say our, maybe I should capitalize our. When I say show them our interest in them, I mean like if I want to show my interest in Carla, I want to show God's interest and mine. It's like when I when I meet someone on the street, I just met this guy, this guy traveling through town, Daniel, and I realize I don't want to get in that conversation. Um, but the whole time I'm praying, Lord, Lord, how do we show him we are interested in him? How do we show him that you, God, are interested in him, and so am I? You know, how do I, God, give me the right questions? We often want to give people words, and, and I just described, like, prophetic words at, at work. It's awesome that God gives us words for each other. But sometimes people are like, I need to have someone care enough to ask me the question. You know, it's, I have friends in Reading, and you know they have this school over there, uh, the Bethel School of Supernatural Ministry. And they say sometimes they walk in different places like, oh, here comes the Bethel kids. They're going to come and ask me if they can give me a word. And they said, you know, and they, they're not against words, but they said sometimes I'd rather they just come up and say, hi, I'm Linda, what's your name? And just engage me in a conversation. You know, just, just see me. Because there are times God is, will give you sight and insight into someone's life. But he still wants you to ask them questions because they don't, want them, they don't want you telling them stuff. They want to know you're interested in hearing them speak it. Let them tell you the heart. Yes, God can miraculously show you what's in someone's heart. But sometimes it means more to them that you would ask them what's in their heart. Okay. Um, I already told you the thing about the spouses. But I was thinking family, like even with my kids, even as adult kids, I want to practice this more. I want to really hear from the Holy Spirit, what questions can I ask my adult children? The interest in really hearing them and build connection. Even if, even if they need correction, even if I need correction. Okay, again, at work, this was a common thing that, that broke things at work. And it, and it worked. I, I went through the same frustration talking to pastors at a former church. Wrong. I want you to ask to tell me more question. So before you try to correct it, before you're defensive, I tell me more question. Oh, you're breaking everything. Really? Well, sorry. What is it we broke for you now? Like, what is, what is, like, tell me more. Tell me more. You ask people, tell me more questions, it disarms them. They quit thinking you as an adversary and they start thinking of you as an ally. Mouth is not working. Okay, being interested in a person, you know, we, we used to do workshops on conflict resolution. <coughs> the more I work on it, the simpler the conferences get. Because it really, the first step in conflict resolution is being interested in the other person. Expressing interest and seeing the other person as a person is always the first step. And I wanted to add this part. Well, actually, I feel like God really wanted me to add this part. I realize this, this requires radical forgiveness. Because some of the people we could really bridge to and really change are people who have intentionally hurt us. And I don't mean accidental, I mean intentional. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, they know not what they do. That is not saying, God, oh, this is, they didn't accidentally put Jesus on the cross. They didn't accidentally torture him. It was intentional. They tortured him. They wanted it to hurt they wanted it to suffer, wanted him to suffer. But they didn't know what they were doing. Is ignorance doesn't mean accidental. And it's the same way here. A lot of people hurt us 
And they may even may intend it, but it's because they don't really know the Father's heart. They don't know who they really are, and they don't really know what they're doing. Okay? So mindset, our identity as individuals and our group derives behavior. I have to admit, this is a phrase that came from a secular book. But you know what? It turns out it's biblical. Um, Jesus always says, have your mind renewed. A man, as a man thinks, so he is. Our mindset, that the way we perceive God, how we understand God, how we understand who we are, that it drives behavior. You cannot change mindset with information. Mindset, mindset change requires engagement. So mindset change requires engagement. And that's really what I'm just asking you to do. I'm asking you basically on homework to really ask God, how do I engage others? How do I show an interest in others? And then we actually do it. I'm not sure how I can grade this homework yet, but it really has to be practiced in, in ways outside these walls. And maybe even practice people that will never be in these walls. But it could change everything. And... This is jumping really to another lesson. But I, more and more, I, I'm really, I really always hated mission statements. We even used to have to do them, I hated them. I get excited about identity statements. Is instead of a mission statement for us as a fellowship, I think we should start thinking of what are our identity statements? And I was thinking, here's some easy ones, but I was thinking like, because Jesus tells us to be this one. You know, we are a people who loves their enemy. We are a people who are interested in others and curious about thoughts and feelings of others. We are a people who participate with the Holy Spirit by being faithful to love others in small ways without fanfare. And I hope over time we'll end up with a long list of who we are. Because I want us to get beyond individual. Uh, America's been obsessed with individualism. We need to start having identity statements are us as statements, okay? Are we clearing the homework? Mm -hmm. Well, if not, <laughs> on the handout, in the front, those are questions, and my, my students are used to it. These are questions I'd like to hear your answers to eventually. But I also encourage you, these are questions to be thinking about with God. Like, God, what are your answers to these questions for me? And then the next step is, how do I ask these kinds of questions of others? And they're there on the front. You know, it's, what, you know, what is the Father, Son, Holy Spirit showing me in Scripture? What is Jesus declaring over you, in you, and through you, in Scripture, in spontaneous thought, through other people's voices, in environment? How is Holy Spirit inviting you to partner with Him and with what He's doing for, in the lives around you? And this is the one I'm really working on now. How is the Holy Spirit inviting you to invite others and engage with people outside what is comfortable. Thank you for joining us today at Coastline Church. To find out more information, please visit coastlinefoursquare.com.